So today is going to be a little bit of a different day. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend. And a couple years ago, uh, so I happen to be married to the worship leader at our church, right? So a couple years ago, somebody asked the question, why are you doing Christmas songs on Thanksgiving? Well, I get a little bit defensive when our worship team gets, uh, you know, jumped on like that. And I said, well, why, why do you assume they had done that song? And I said, why do you assume that's a Christmas song? Is why everybody, everybody does that at Christmas. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Why are you doing it? And I have the best response, and I've used it since. And the response is, have you started your Christmas shopping? Uh, that's why we're singing Christmas music. So today, we're not going to talk about Christmas, but we're going to have a video in a moment that leads into it. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about what God looks to for us as believers in having a heart of thanksgiving. We had a really different thanksgiving this year. Uh, we as a church support a group down in Florida, and so we were actually the first ones to give money to them this year because uh, giving has just really kind of gone in a strange direction around the country to churches and nonprofits over the last couple of years. But they feed veterans and their families, and when I say they feed them, I'm talking full turkeys and fully cooked meals that people just come and pick up. And because they do and because they do it well, they've got an increasing number of people and so this year they were having a hard time getting any money. And so we as a church, you as a church, helped this year. Davey was here for the uh, packing and serving part of it. I got to get down to Florida just for a little bit right after that and, and helped out feeding some homeless, in feeding some homeless people. But here's what's cool. You as a church didn't even know this, but on Thursday while you were sitting down to your Thanksgiving meal, uh, you were a part of purchasing and delivering over 700 Genio turkeys and almost 50 hams to veterans and their families. So congratulations. Way to go. You talk about Thanksgiving. There's some perspective. Speaking of perspective, moving between Christmas thing and Thanksgiving, and why would we sing a Christmas song already? Let's show a video that might put a little bit of uh, helpful perspective to that question. Uncle Jeff, have you seen the last piece of pumpkin pie? Hmm. What did it look like? Come on, you feel like 50 years old. You should know how pie looks. 50? Oh, come on. Can you even count to 50? Uncle Jeff, I've got some questions for you. Yes? Why do we have turkey on Thanksgiving? Because when cooked properly, every four or five years, it's delicious. Okay, so then why would we have green bean casserole then? Touche. Well, that doesn't have a look like uh, clearly it's not stopping you. Why did mom have a full plate of stuffing when she's on keto? Because carbs are comforting. Why can't I just lick my plate? If I'm in charge of the dishes, I actually encourage that. Why are there no unicorns in the Bible? Why am I not allowed to sit close to the TV? Why does water taste different in Nana's house? Why isn't Grandpa allowed to have salt? Why is gravy brown? Why am I not allowed to touch the air freshener? Why does Cooper pick his nose so much? Why does Mom call me by my sister's name? Why do we plant all the time? Why can't I eat grass? Why can't I sit in Dad's chair? Why is Sunday school called Sunday school? Why do cows have four stomachs? Why do parents whisper when they get mad? Why do old people write in person? Why do babies have no teeth? Why is baseball so boring? Why do fish have no lungs? Why is Thanksgiving before Christmas? I know why. 
You know why what? I know why Thanksgiving comes right before Christmas. <sighs> okay. Tell me. Why does Thanksgiving come right before Christmas? Because it reminds us to be thankful that God sent us Jesus. <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> I like that. All right. Now, hit me with some of that whipped cream, girl. <sighs> oh, that's good. So right here at the beginning is the end of the message. If you're struggling for what to really be able to give thanks for this year, you can give thanks that God sent us Jesus. In a month, we're going to gather and celebrate that very, very same thing. Today, though, we're going to put a pin in our walk through the book of Acts. We, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about Thanksgiving and about our attitudes and about our hearts. About a month ago, Deidre and I were in Florida for her company's national conference. Uh, we spent four days, five days down there. And uh, her company is this great company that's very family-friendly, and their conferences are very family-friendly, and it's run by a, a father and a son team. And uh, on Friday night, we got invited to have dinner with one of the national uh, fund man- financial manager. Of, he's got his own company, and, and he invited some people to sit down with him. And I got to spend the night across the table from him. And it was a fascinating night, a fascinating night of conversation talking about what he does for work. And I've gotten to know this guy over the years. And as we worked our way through dinner, it got, it got kind of to the end where dessert was getting close. And he goes, all right, preacher, so tell me, Thanksgiving's coming up. What are you going to talk about this year? I said, well, our church doesn't really, we don't spend a lot of time on Sunday morning with Thanksgiving most of the time because it's a national holiday. It's not really a church holiday. And he goes, I got one for you. Now, this isn't a particularly church-going guy, very intelligent guy, but not a particularly church-going guy. He goes, here's the deal, in America... We don't celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. I, I, I know people. I travel the country. I know what I'm talking about. I said, okay, what is it that we celebrate? He said, Americans don't know how to celebrate Thanksgiving. Americans are all about thanksgiving. When I nodded, and he goes, I dare you to preach that one. I said, give me a month. Tune us in online. I'm going to do it. I'm going to preach about thanksgiving. That seems like an awful, crazy idea to base a Sunday morning message on. But you know what? You look at the world that we live in. That's who we've become. We've become a nation full of people. And maybe this isn't specifically you, but you can certainly identify somebody you know around you. It's happening all over the place. The idea of giving thanks has has gotten lost from so many of us. And what we're concerned about is thanks-taking. We expect a lot. In this country, we've grown to expect a lot. We expect a lot from God. We expect a lot from other people. We expect a lot from schools and from teachers, from restaurants. We expect a lot from employers in our workplaces. We even expect a lot from our church. And sometimes we expect what is, in reality, an unrealistic amount. And yet we've gone from having these expectations to actually thinking that those expectations should be met. And throughout this whole COVID mess that we've lived through, one of the things that I see, not, not just locally, but all over the country, we, we have become a nation of takers. We've become a nation full of people who assume and expect that we should be able to get or have or say anything we want. 
We've become a country full of people who take without expectation, but who do not receive with gratitude or thanksgiving. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're a new Christian, you're trying to figure out what you can do that would be pleasing to God, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're someone who's been a part of the church your whole life and maybe you strayed or maybe work or life, whatever it is, has taken you away and you're feeling some distance right now and you say, you know what, I want to get back. I want to get that connection back with, with God. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're somebody that's gone to church your whole life. This is, this is a part of your regular routine. Sunday mornings, you're in church. But you know what? Even you can grow more in your obedience by giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I think in America where we're being taught to be a nation full of expectant, disappointed takers, that is quite a radical message. Thanks-taking. Yeah, that is a crazy topic for a Sunday message. So oftentimes Christians sit down at big meals like one that we all celebrated last Thursday, Thanksgiving or Christmas that's coming up, and we feel a responsibility that maybe it's an obligation that somebody should say a prayer. Maybe that's not your routine at home. Maybe you're just, you feel like you're in such a hurry. You sit down, you eat, you get the dishes taken care of, and you move on. But we feel this responsibility to say some kind of a prayer of thanks of some sort. See, giving thanks in all circumstances isn't a, a duty or a responsibility or an obligation. It's something that we do when we have a heart of gratitude. And I think that's what's missing in our country today. We don't have a nation full of people who understand gratitude. I heard that video loud and clear. And if you've got nothing else that you feel like you have to give thanks for, maybe your life has just become a train wreck or has thrown you into a wall or the wheels have fallen off your bus, whatever it is. You've got that one thing to give thanks for that God sent us Jesus at Christmas. And if nothing else... You can start giving God thanks for that. You know, it's interesting to me because maybe, maybe being grateful and thankful is hard for you. Maybe the whole idea of gratitude and thankfulness, you're just giving yourself a little bit of a break and saying, I don't have to be there right now. I just lost a spouse. Or I've just lost a friend or a child or a job, or you've suffered some financial hard, hardship, or you've gotten some, some diagnosis or, or conversation with a doctor that did not go the way you wanted, you did not hear what you wanted to hear. And I get that. Being grateful and thankful is not the first thing that comes to mind. But you know what? All of us know people who have let their life circumstances define their attitudes. Their situation became so overwhelming to them that it changed who they are. They let it dictate their attitude, and yet as Christians, we're called to be grateful, we're called to be joyful. And yet I've seen some of these people who, even though they say they're Christians, they're bitter, they're resentful, they're angry, they're, they're offended at every turn. And First Thessalonians tells us, as Christians, we have no right to that. We have a right to give thanks, even if we don't like the circumstances, because we have the right to joy in Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe you're someone that no longer has a loved one with you. And you say, you know what, preacher, the one thing you don't understand is the loss that I felt. Maybe I don't. But here's what I know. 
If you've lost someone that you have loved and you're angry or hurt or whatever it is about it, you can still have a grateful heart and give thanks because you had the gift of the time that you had to enjoy with them. And when God says give thanks in all circumstances, he's not doing something that's impossible for us. He's trying to get our focus set on him. He's not saying, I, I challenge you to do that because you're not going to be able to because when life gets tough, you're going to You don't have to. Being grateful and having a heart of gratitude and thankfulness is something that we can choose to do. Charles Spurgeon said, it isn't how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. If you say, if I only had more, if I only had this or that or the other, then I'd really be happy. No, you wouldn't. You'd be as miserable then as you are now. It isn't how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. So it seems to me then that enjoyment and a heart of gratitude and thankfulness is all a matter of perspective. So today, let's talk about perspective a little bit. And I challenge you to think about what yours is. Where is your heart? Where is your mind? What is your attitude? Let's talk about perspective. If we look to others as the the basis, if we look to other people and what they've done or what they have or what they've accomplished as the basis of our expectation, more than likely we're always going to find a reason to be disappointed. We don't have as much. We don't have as nice. We don't get to do as often. If you're looking for other people, you're more than likely giving yourself a reason to be disappointed right off the bat. However, if you look to God as your constant provider and protector and Jesus as our hope, we will always be able to be grateful because those are unchanging things. They are unchanging, which is why God says give thanks in all circumstances. And what he's really doing is talking about having a healthy perspective, having a healthy focus on him. I would think the thing that sets Christians apart more than anything else should be our love and a grateful heart and the joy that we carry with us. But you know, like I know, people who call themselves Christians who seem to have no joy and no gratefulness and no happiness in their life whatsoever. And that always saddens me because they say that they have Jesus. They say that they know who he is. That that joy should set us apart. We're not joyful because of the good things that we have in life or the way things are going our way in life. We're joyful because we have Jesus in our life. And there's a whole world full of people that don't have that hope. They don't have that joy. And they're looking for us as Christians as we go through the struggles and trials and difficult situations in our life to give them a reason to believe in something or someone else. So how are you doing giving thanks in all circumstances? It isn't natural. It doesn't come easy. Giving thanks in all circumstances seems to be completely against everything that we're taught in America. But let's pay attention to the actual wording of the passage. The Bible does not say you're supposed to be thankful in all circumstances. That would be craziness. You don't have to be thankful that someone that you love died. You don't have to be thankful that, that, that your job disappeared. You don't have to be thankful that you got a diagnosis from a doctor that you had no idea was coming. You don't have to be thankful that that person who you loved and, and who meant so much to you walked out. You don't have to be thankful for that. However, the Bible does say we are to give thanks in all circumstances. We don't have to understand them. But the Bible says that we give thanks in all circumstances, and that's a focus. There's things that happen in my life that I don't like, just like there are things that happen in your life that you don't like, but God called us to give thanks. 
Between the services, Deidre said, there's a really good example that you should use, so thank you. I'm going to use it now. You maybe have heard of Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom has written a lot of books. But part of the reason that she had the material to write those books is that she and her sister spent a lot of time in a, in a German concentration camp. I believe she was in Auschwitz. And they were treated horribly. They were left in these little cells and, and soldiers came in at night and just randomly molested and had their way with these Jewish women that had nothing that they could do to stop them. But Corey and her sister just constantly said, you know, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. But her sister at one point says, how can we say thank you? There's fleas everywhere. I can't even sleep at night. And Corey says, well, then we're going to say thank you for the fleas. Her sister thinks she's nuts. And they say thank you for the fleas in the midst of all of their prayers. She was rescued. And on her way out of Auschwitz, she asked one of the German officers, why in the world did you never come in and attack our, my sister at night? And the soldier said, because you and your sister were the only ones that had fleas. Give thanks for the fleas. You may not even understand what God is doing in your circumstances, but if you focus on him, you can trust him to know that it's going to work out for your good and for his glory. But see, I've noticed this change in America. There's a change in our, our attitude and our behavior in this last two years of COVID. You've probably seen it too, and some of us in, in more drastic or dramatic ways. I think it's got a lot to do with the way that we've isolated ourselves and we've replaced face-to-face conversations with people just doing it all online. We, we don't go to work in the office if we don't have to more, anymore. We stay at home. We don't go to church if we don't have to. We don't have to get up early. We, we can watch church online. I don't actually have to sit down and have coffee with somebody. I can text them. I don't have to call them on the phone. And we've separated and isolated ourselves from the very people that we need to be near. Social media has made life so completely impersonal that we're not even sure how to behave around real people sometimes. And the thing that's most sad is that the changes are happening inside the church as well as outside in the rest of the world. Have you noticed a lot of people are just less patient? People aren't as patient as they used to be. We seem to have lost this sense of kindness and respect for each other as a nation. We call each other out on Facebook and and social media, and we say all kinds of things we would have never imagined saying two years ago. We've gone from having a personal opinion, which everyone has, to expecting and demanding that our personal opinion be acknowledged and accepted and be made right. Because I believe it. You better do it. We weren't that way two years ago. We're quick to avoid things. We're quick to quit. We're quick to avoid people. And when they leave us a voicemail because we didn't answer their call, we send them a text message back. I see people all over the place walking away from responsibilities. We don't do any more than we have to as a nation because we expect somebody else to do it for us. I hear people say things about other people today they would have never said two years ago. People are quitting jobs and walking away because they're getting money to be able to do that. Our country has changed, and in a lot of ways, I'm not sure that it's for the better. And in the church, we're seeing a dramatic shift as well. Things have changed incredibly in the world of church and attendance and volunteer commitments. And that's crazy to me because at this time that we need this community, we need this family the most, we're staying away. We're blessed here. 
We're blessed because people have actually come back. You've come back to church. In a lot of places, people just haven't. They stayed away, and they continue to stay away. But for two years, we, we figured, well, I, I didn't really need those people, and, and apparently I don't really need God, so I'm not going back. But we do need people, and we do need God. And I think back to that guy that we talked to a month ago, and it seems that he was really onto something. We've gone from being a nation of thankful people who were generous in giving, thanksgiving, to a nation that has so many people who are thankless takers, thanks taking. And he was right. So many people in our country are, are expectant and, and disengaged and, crit, in, and critical and impersonal. And yet that's not who God called us to be. And, and I don't know about you, but I desperately want to believe that we're better than that. And you watch the news and you just have to wonder. Tim Keller said, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another thing to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. So for a Christian, a heart of gratitude and an attitude of thanksgiving are things that the people around us should see in our joy and in our kindness and in our love. As Christians, folks, we should be different. We shouldn't be gauging ourselves or setting as our, our goal the people around us. We should be setting as our goal being more like Jesus. But I often don't necessarily see that. In Christians, sometimes Christians are the most grumpy, the least joyful, the most angry, the most gossip-filled. But that's not what Jesus called us to be. There's no gratitude and thankfulness in that. President Obama said one time, prosperity without freedom is just another form of poverty. I agree with the statement. But I would rephrase it to say prosperity without gratitude is just another form of poverty. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you get. If you're not grateful for what you have right now, you're not going to be grateful if you had a million times more. Gratitude. Gratitude. Prosperity without gratitude is just another form of poverty. For all the money that our federal government has given out over the last two years, what I observe is a nation that more so than ever before are emotionally relationally and spiritually broke. We're broke because we just expect other people to do for us rather than what we've always understood is taking our part and doing for. But we don't have to be those people. See, there's a real danger in this idea of living for prosperity and personal gain without a heart for gratitude. And you know the people who are like that. They're cold and they're distant. The danger is that we base our self-understanding and the idea of success on what we achieve in life. That we, we only know whether or not we're a good person or if we've achieved a lot or made more money. Well, what happens when your business fails? What happens when you don't get the promotion? What happens when your company downsizes and you get let go from work? What happens if you're working in an industry that can't find enough help and even if you're willing to work, the company closes because they can't afford to stay open? What happens then? What happens to your self-understanding? What happens when a relationship ends or when the kids don't grow up who, who, for who you wanted them to be? What happens when we find out about something that's going on with us that isn't what we wanted to hear? 
Suddenly we're thrown into this tailspin we don't know how to find our way out of. Tony Evans says, whatever it is, you're not to give thanks for the difficulties, but rather in the difficulties. It's a very important distinction, he says. Giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties and that he can use them. If you approach him with the right heart and spirit for your good and for his glory. So what we need to do then is to be conscious of where our heart is really at. Do you have a heart of gratitude this morning? Did you celebrate Thanksgiving without really being thankful for anything? Are you here this morning going, you know what, I can work on that. I don't give thanks in all circumstances. I can be a complainer because all of us can be. See, it's easy to think that we're in control of the situations and the circumstances that surround us, when in reality, one of the only things that we're really in control of is our attitude about the circumstances and situations that surround us. You can't control other things and other people, but you can control your attitude about them. If we aren't careful, we can become so focused on getting everything in life that we want, everything that it seems like everybody else has that we miss out on the real blessings. And you hear me talk about this a lot. The real blessings in the Bible are always people. The real blessings are the people around us and God's gift to us in Jesus. We might think that we're grabbing a hold of a whole buffet that's life and we're just going to get more and more and more. And what we really end up doing is we end up getting nothing but the crumbs left behind by the people who we're trying to be like. We get the little bits and pieces of our time and our family and our life that's left over when we're trying to achieve somebody else's life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. So I'd say all the money in the world is worthless without a heart of gratitude for what you already have. If we're not grateful for what we have and who it is that's given to us, it doesn't matter how much more we get because it's still going to be worthless. Jesus himself, he said that he came that we might have life and have it to its fullest. The, the New Living Translation Bible that we give out around here, and if you need a Bible, please see Pastor Patrick in the Welcome Center. He'd love to send you home with one. John 10 says, the thief's purpose is to still steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. For a Christian, that life begins with Jesus. It begins with salvation in Jesus. And then we live and, and we can give thanks in all circumstances, being grateful for all that we have, including the people, people in our lives and including the things that we don't like in our lives, not because what the people give us or what they do for us or because of how the other things make us feel, but rather we can be grateful for the people for who they are and we can be grateful for the circumstances and situations because we know that God has them in his hand. So if you want to know how to do that, if you want a first step, this is what I started doing, and you've heard me do it from up here for a couple of years now. I, I had to train myself to be thankful in all circumstances. That is ongoing training, let me tell you. But one of the things that I started to do is not just thanking God for what he's done for me, not for the many blessings or for the stuff in my life that I like. I started thanking God for who he is. And so you hear me up here when I pray, I often say, God, thank you for who you are. Because when we know who God is, that's a statement of focus. It's a statement of perspective because we can only know who we are by knowing who God is. God, thank you for who you are. Yep, you've done all kinds of great things for me, and I'm grateful for all that. But most of all, I'm grateful for who you are. Who you are. I'm thankful for Jesus. You can move on then, and you can start saying, God, thank you 
for the people and for who they are. Not for what they do for me or what they give for me, but thank you for who they are. Thank God for who he is and thank God for the people in your life for who they are. Thank God for truly being worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. Last week we talked about Paul and his testimony. We talked about that road to Damascus moment that he had. He had been a persecutor, a murderer of Christians. He was sent out to to capture as many as he could, put them in chains, and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. And goodness knows what was going to happen. And then he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, everything about him changed. So if you're struggling with gratitude and thanksgiving, let me ask you this. Who were you before you met Jesus? And as we looked at with Paul, who are you now that you've met him? Who are you now that you know Jesus? Who were you when what Ephesians calls when you were dead in your trespasses and sins? Who were you then and who are you now, now that you have a new life and you're a new creation in him? My guess is that you weren't particularly grateful. You probably weren't tremendously joyful. You probably didn't thank God for situations that weren't your favorite. But then you met Jesus and you were given a new life. You were given the gift of salvation. You became a new creation in him. And so this Thanksgiving weekend, what can you do in response to who God is for you? What can you do in response in your world and for the people around you because of what he has done for you and who he is and what he has created within you? Giving thanks doesn't mean we have to be thankful thankful for the circumstances and situations. It means that we are thankful in them, even if we don't like them. Because that sets our focus and our perspective squarely on God, who is the only one that's going to carry us through in the first place. I'm going to do something that's going to be a little bit different for some of you. I'm going to pray. That's not the different part. The different part is this. While I pray, I'm going to take a long pause, and you'll know it'll be obvious. I want to challenge and encourage you to give God thanks. And maybe it's for something that you don't like. Maybe you've got to challenge yourself to say, God, I'm going to give you thanks for this thing that I'm going through, this circumstance or this situation. I don't like it at all, but I know that you are Lord even over that. I'm going to ask you to do what's not always comfortable, but to say that thing out loud. First service is a very polite crowd. They all waited until everybody else was done. You just speak it out. Just say it. If you step on somebody else's vocal toes, that's okay. God's going to hear it all anyway. And I really believe that God's going to hear it like a different version of a choir. Because so often we go to church and we're expectant of the pastor and we're expectant of the worship team and we're expectant of other people, but we're not always grateful and thankful. So this morning, let's give thanks. Gracious God, thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, that we don't have to question or wonder or worry at all about the fact, the truth, the reality that you're there. You are our creator and you are our redeemer. You are Lord of all. God, there is nothing that happens on this earth that is outside of of your knowledge or out of your hands. And God, even the things that we don't like, the, the situations and circumstances that that we don't see any good in, we know that if we look to you and trust in you, that you will, you will bring good out of it and you will use it for your glory. And God, that's what we want. In the end, when we know that we know Jesus, when we know that we have salvation in him, we know the way that our story ends. It ends with you. And so we want to live a life that gives glory to you in all things. And God, we want to We want to honor you by giving thanks in all circumstances. And so now, in this time, we're going to set aside, please hear your people. 
please hear those things that maybe we're struggling with. Maybe we're having a hard time. We're frustrated by people who have not treated us well. God, we're going to take a moment and we're going to give thanks in all things. God, hear the prayers of your people. God, there's a lot more that's being said in the quiet of our minds. So thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you again, God, for who you are. But also thank you for everything that you do for us. You bless us beyond our wildest imaginations. Thank you for Jesus, who came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that brings us to faith and helps us to grow in faith. And God, we just ask that uh, all that we do, that our whole life, Everything we are, everything we do, everything we accomplish, everything we set out to accomplish is to your greatest glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it occurs to me that maybe, maybe there's one part of this whole message that you're not quite okay with. Maybe you don't know that your salvation is secure. Maybe you don't know you're going to heaven. Maybe that joy and that gratitude isn't settled into you yet. If that's the case, if that's you, we have got folks, find one of us, prayer corners, uh, one of the people in the staff team, an elder. Just grab any one of us, and we will walk you through that. We've got a, a great Bible pastor, Patrick's got one. He can take you through the whole thing, and not the whole Bible, the whole process of how it is that we, we come to faith and, and uh, what are the first steps that we have. Deb, between services, gave me a passage, and it's just awesome. I want to leave you with this. Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. When you're a believer in Jesus, that is the greatest joy of all because what we can, what we can realize then that the rest of everything really doesn't matter because God's got it under control. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And from that, our gratitude and our thanksgiving can come from a true and a sincere heart.